My guest today is a Cape Town-based writer and journalist who is moved by stories that feature strong, interesting and independent women. She's also a lover of animals and the outdoors and uses her writing to merge these passions in an exploration of the interconnectedness of all living things. Ms. Hoare has just released her debut work of historical fiction, The Invincible Miss Cust. And she joins me now to chat about the book and her writing process. Welcome, Penny. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. It's lovely to be here, Sam. Thank you. So I gave away the name of the title. That's all I gave away. Um, but give us an elevator pitch. What is The Invincible Miss Cust all about? Uh, the Invisible Miscust is historical fiction based on the true life of Aileen Cust, who was an English aristocrat who uh, overcame a, a myriad of obstacles in the late 1800s and early 1900s to become Britain and Ireland's first woman veterinary surgeon. It's a work of historical fiction, Penny, but how, how on earth did you come upon the story and what made you pursue it? Um, well, Sam, I, I had um, recently released my first contemporary fiction called The Wilderness Between Us, and I was looking to write another story uh, about in, an interesting woman and um, explore the the idea of, of animals and the outdoors and what have you. And uh, as a child, I'd always imagined becoming a vet. I grew up on a dairy farm in KwaZulu-Natal, and I fantasized about being a vet. And um, I thought about setting my next book in a veterinary practice and I thought about a rural practice with a woman veterinary surgeon so I was just starting to uh, explore the idea and I decided to look up uh, and see when women first became veterinary surgeons and it's uh, Aileen Cust's name came up uh, very quickly and I started to read her story and I was captivated from that moment I I I, it, it was the most extraordinary story. I couldn't believe that I'd never heard of her before. And the more I researched, the more intrigued I became. And I, when I discovered that nobody else had written historical fiction based on her life, I couldn't resist doing it. I mean, there was, there was one small um, biography that is written by a, a, um, a, a woman veterinary surgeon. It was published in 1990 in the UK. But it's a... It's a record primarily of uh, Aileen's fight with the professional body, which uh, which was very useful as source material. Mm. But there was so much more to the story that I couldn't resist writing it. It just it just seemed like the story I'd been waiting all my life to write. Well, we are going to get stuck into that, especially my favorite parts of the story. Um, but the way that you the, the genesis of it almost sounds like. Were you imagining a type of, um, you know, James Kutsia's disgrace? There's a vet, you know, there's a, a woman vet there, she's quite a strong character, and uh, she's not the, the protagonist. But, you know, were you imagining a South African story? I was. I was imagining a South African story, uh, as I say, in a rural setting, and I wanted to explore what kind of uh, uh, patriarchal um, obstacles that women would probably still um, experience as, as vets, maybe with big animals. So there was there was a sense of that. I was interested in how that would be. Um, yeah. So, but but I didn't get very far in that. As I say, Aileen's name came up, and 
I just went down the rabbit hole. And yeah, there's a lot of politics happening at the time. It's the, you know, the, the suffragette movement. You you bring in, you draw in a lot of big names that were making, you know, waves at the time and kind of paving the way for women like Aileen, who also paved the way. I want to chat about your writing style in this because it's very, you obviously had to channel 18th, 19th, 20th century, excuse me, um, English. Was that easy for you to tap into, very uh, Bridgerton-esque in the writing style? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I loved it, actually. I mean, it, it seemed, it's, and, and I guess it was quite a bit of the reading material that I, that I had to get into um, gives you a, a sense of, of where you're going. But I, I, found it, I found it very easy, I think partly because I related so much to Aileen. So there was a sense of, uh, um, as I mentioned, she was an, she was an aristocratic, uh, came from an aristocratic family with lots of brothers and couldn't understand why she was treated so differently to the brothers. I'm, I'm also an only girl with brothers. Uh, and certainly I never had the same kind of discrimination that Aileen faced, but I could relate to that. Mm. But as far as the writing went, I, I fell into it quite easily. I think maybe the kind of reading I've done all my life, um, I loved it, actually. So what, I, um, what is your chosen genre? Um, well, actually, literary, literary uh, fiction. But I'm reading a lot of historical fiction now as a, as a matter of fact, mm. <laughs> as a matter of because that's where I've gone. Mm. But uh, literary fiction, really. I mean, I, um, I studied literature at university, so um, that's, that's been my go-to. But, um, yeah, I grew up in uh, KwaZulu-Natal, a, a very uh, English uh, background with, uh, I mean, not, not a lot of Afrikaans. So English and Zulu were our, were our languages there. So probably, um, you know, my ancestors, my, my um, great-grandparents were originally from the UK and that. But it, it, did, come, it did come easily to me. I, I loved it. So let's, let's take the reader and the listener, um, let's bring them into what was happening politically at the time, but particularly in England and, and Ireland, because that also plays a big role is what, you know, the, the kind of tension between England and Ireland, starting with what happens with Aileen's father in the very beginning, is pulled through. In addition to the suffragette movement, there's a lot there. It's very rich. So against what backdrop is... Aileen's story happening, unfolding? So it was Victorian England. Um, at, uh, Aileen's father was a land agent in Tipperary. That's where she was born in Ireland. He was a, he was an, a, a, a British uh, land agent. So there was a lot of tension at that point between the, the English and the Irish. Uh, it hadn't become as violent as it became later. But um, there was a lot of antagonism between the English landowners and the Irish farmers. So Aileen was born into that environment. Obviously, she was young and didn't uh, didn't recognize quite how bad it was, even though, and, and I won't give any spoilers here about her father's death, but um, uh, she she left with her mother and her siblings at the age of 10 and went to, to England. But before she left Ireland, she'd already decided before she was 10 that she wanted to become a veterinary surgeon when she when she heard such a thing existed she decided that that was what she wanted to become and the the although she came from a very privileged family 
girls and women at that point were not educated way beyond a very basic education of languages and um, a bit of basic uh, numbers. Probably needlework. Beyond that, they yeah. were expected to, you know, they were given governesses who, who taught them how to um, do needlepoint and play the pianoforte. Mm. And what happened with Aileen, and I don't think this is a spoiler, is that her mother, possibly distracted by events in Ireland before they left, but also um, just because she, she felt that there weren't any suitable English governesses in Ireland, let Aileen stay in the classroom with her brothers, with the tutor. And of course, the tutor were giving the boys a much more advanced education than, than any girls would get. So that was a, an inadvertent advantage that Aileen got in her youth. But even so, at that point, women or girls were not expected to, they were, they were not accepted at tertiary, places of tertiary education. It was, a, it was a time, as you mentioned, it was a time of suffragettes and what have you. There were some women that were fighting their way into universities. It was, um, as Aileen reached her teens, the, um, the Edinburgh Seven, who were the women who fought their way into university in Edinburgh to be, to be trained as, as physicians, as doctors, um, were abused and um, had to undergo all sorts of atrocities to, to be educated. Um, and, and certainly um, it was considered very demeaning that an aristocratic Englishwoman would want to work and mm. that was essentially what Aileen was hoping to do. She wanted to train and she wanted to work. Um, Queen Victoria was on the throne. And um, contrary to what we might hope of a, a woman monarch, she didn't support um, other women. She didn't support other women, um, their, their, um, their, their independence from men. So Aileen's mother was... Um, a woman of the bedchamber to Queen, Queen Victoria. So she worked in the court and she was terribly ashamed about the idea of Aileen wanting to be this, uh, to unsex herself, essentially, mm. that's what they said, unsex herself and want to work. And the most appalling of all was that she wanted to work with beasts. I mean, what kind of what kind and of lady are it you? Comes up a lot to to castrate or castrate um um bull, bulls, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare any woman stoop to such a level? It's almost seen as ungodly, you know. Absolutely. It's obviously anti-society and and how you you know you behave as a lady, but also just it's it, it's almost like it goes against religion, you know. Yes, <laughs> it is very. Yes. A very yes. some very interesting commentary coming out of there, especially where we are now in you know the fourth fifth wave of feminism. Her mother is is someone that appears quite often as a very contentious you know character, and well, you know someone. So you mentioned she worked in Queen Victoria's bedchambers, and so there was reason for her coming up against Aileen, but they had a really frigid and fraught uh, mother daughter relationship, which you dive into so it was tough to find an excerpt penny that um did not give the reader any spoilers but i found one i think and i'd love for you to read it um on page 236 just to show the reader that that kind of relationship and and how 
you know, Aileen, so throughout the book, she she doesn't have any ill feeling. She just feels sad, I think. She has no ill feeling towards her family, but they really do come up against her throughout her life, throughout her career, in her endeavor to become educated and to become a, a vet and the first, you know, female vet in in England and Ireland. So if you can take it away, Penny, from okay. from where it was indicated. Yeah. So this is the section where um, Aileen is already working as a vet. Um, I have to give away that much. Eh? No. <laughs> and um, she she's in Ireland and she's uh, she goes to visit her mother, who she's heard has fallen ill. Hello, Mama. She lifted a bony finger and pointed at a chair beside the bed. Sit. I did. Charles hovered at the door. Do you want me to stay, Mama? He asked. She gave her head a little shake and he left, closing the door quietly behind him. Sir, it takes news of my imminent death to bring you to me? She might have diminished in size, but her voice was the same commanding one of my youth. The doctor's pleased with you today, I hear. What does he know? Her eyes flicked up and down the length of my torso. You're larger than I remember. I felt hot. Was my pregnancy showing? Surely it could not be. No, it was as ever simply my mother pointing out what she saw as my feminine flaws. Of course, she continued, you've always seemed large compared to dainty Urshla. She's looking well, is she not? Yes, she is, very well. What brings you to London? You, of course. I was visiting Dorothy and I'm not going to die, you know. Not now, anyway. So it was unnecessary for you to come after ignoring us for so long. Mama, I wrote. I sent cards every birthday and Christmas. I have let you know my every movement, made sure you know my exact whereabouts at all times. I do not want letters, birthday greetings, cheery Christmas cards. What do you want? You know what I want. I want you to stop embarrassing yourself. Us. Come home. Distinguish yourself as a cast, like Charles has. I swallowed. I am here now. Yes, but now I'm tired. Come tomorrow. No, the following day. At the same time. Can we not? No, we cannot. I will see you in two days. She closed her eyes and I left. Thanks for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's one of the, the more sad kind of storylines that follow for me throughout the book. Although there are many and there, there are many kind of threads that you, that you follow in this. Um, and the one leans obviously heavily on nonfiction because it is this is historical fiction so I'm curious in in writing historical fiction how did you separate that fact from fiction where did you draw the line how much liberty to, do you take as a writer these are obviously imagined scenes unless you have a a diary of the character that you that you're channeling into or a, you know a journal um, you really have to read into a lot of what her interactions with her family members or, and people she knew were like so what was your writing process in that in that instance? There, there weren't any diaries. Um, there, there are a number of um, speeches, copies of speeches that Aileen gave towards her latter life when she was addressing primarily other women who were looking to uh, study veterinary science. 
but there, there, there weren't any, um, there weren't any journals. And, and that was one of the reasons that I felt that I could write in Aileen's voice. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have done that if there had been a lot of, of her own voice out there. So that was, that was the first liberty I took essentially was that I wrote in the first person as if I was Aileen. Um, but, uh, but certainly I, I had to imagine, uh, the, 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 the thoughts, the emotions, the conversations. But the reality is that the story had so much rich information about it. I mean, Aileen's friendships with, um, you mentioned earlier about um, prominent people, like her best friend, Dorothy Widrington, who married Sir Edward Grey, who was um, Britain's longest serving foreign secretary. I mean, it was just amazing. And, and Aileen, um, Aileen, had a friendship with with Edward throughout her life, so um, there there were there were records of those friendships, the um, the romance, which I won't go into now because otherwise it really will give mm. give everything about. There were there was quite a there were there were several um, uh, mentions in the um, in 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 the information about Aileen that there this romance happened. But the extent of it and how it happened um, and and how things uh, how things went because because she was also engaged to the other person that was a matter of fact. There's a so triangle to, for to, yes, to fill out our yes. listeners in. There's a bit of a triangle, you know, towards the end of the book, and we'll we'll leave it at that. But so yes, there were so yeah. there were you there were mentionings of in everything that you read in the articles these people's names came up and you kind of followed the dots? Well, I knew that, I knew that, um, I knew what happened in Ireland with, um, with uh, uh, Willie Byrne. I knew that there'd been something there and there was, there was record of, of the fact that they, that they were together. And I knew that she'd been engaged to, um, to Bertie. That was on record as well. And then I discovered that the, that was a very short engagement, and then she went back to Ireland. So I kind of had to work in. So how did this happen? You know, and 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 I think that that is the absolute beauty with historical fiction is that you read these things and you go, okay, so this was this time, and what had happened here, and this was this was at the point where. Um, Queen Victoria had just died. So what, what what might have happened? You know, there were all mm. these things that kind of that kind of came together and gave me an indication of what could have happened. But yes, it is fiction. The 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 thoughts and what have you. And 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 I think that's what that is what makes writing historical fiction such such a pleasure. And I loved writing this. I loved writing it because the the true story is just extraordinary. I mean it. And, and that was why in my author's notes, I wanted to go into it quite deeply to show people this, I, this is, a lot of this is not made up. Mm. But obviously, I don't have recordings of her conversations and I don't have any love letters or anything like that. But those juicy but, plot points, that was, that was all Aileen. It was all Aileen. And mm. yeah, and, and it just lent itself to, which was probably one of the reasons why I'm, I'm still amazed that nobody has written her story previously. So, yeah. Well, and then it yeah, left a gap the, for you, Penny. <laughs> it did. I was so lucky. I, I still feel fortunate. Yeah. 
So let's... And then, you know... Sorry, carry on. No, after you. I was going to say that just, just the, the research, um, for example, um, the, the point where Aileen's mother gives in to her to go and work at the hospital in London... Um, which I mean is, is I guess we're giving something else away there, but 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 that was fact as well that Florence Nightingale had made it acceptable for um, upper class English women to become nurses because Florence Nightingale came from um, um, a family that an esteemed English family, and so she paved the way there. So Aileen's mother um, was not very willing to do so, but she conceded that Aileen could go and work at the hospital. But that period um, was a very short period. And I wondered, I, when I was researching that, I thought, what could have happened that um, that would allow her to leave the nursing profession, mm. not lose face with her mother? Because, of course, her mother would go, you see, you're not up to it. You're not a working woman. So when I researched the era... It was there was a happy coincidence, which I won't talk about now because I think you need to read the book to find out. And how, it's an how interesting one. Yeah, it is an interesting one, considering what women yeah. and feminists are fighting for today and what was happening at the time. So, readers, tap into that. It is it is quite an interesting tidbit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Penny, I want to talk about how you weaved in your love of animals. So, Aileen cast obviously loved animals. She became a vet. She was the first female vet in Ireland and England. Um, but she went also in line with wanting to please her mother, um, bred Pomeranians. At the time when miniatures, well, the Queen, Queen Victoria, much like Queen Elizabeth really loved corgis, Queen Victoria really loved Pomeranians. That was interesting for me to learn. Um, and this was at a time when breeding miniatures was becoming very uh, on trend. Um, and Aileen also loved horses. So, and there's a lot of knowledge that comes in, in addition to sort of cattle knowledge about cattle and, and all of that. How, so, how much animal knowledge did you have going into this project, and how much did you have to kind of do some some deep dive research into? Well, I I, I grew up as a as a, a, a as I said on the dairy farm. I had yes. a yeah yeah. I um, certainly my. Um, my father put us to work on the farm as kids, so <laughs> I have a good, a fairly good knowledge of um, of carving and um, of of horses, and um, I've always had dogs, always had cats. So um, I have a fairly good uh, practical knowledge of basic animal husbandry, I guess. Um, but I worked with a friend, a veterinary surgeon friend. Um, who I, in fact, met in Cape Town when I finished university. Uh, he's, he's an Irishman, and he had come to, he had graduated from, um, from, from veterinary college, and he'd come to South Africa to have a bit of an adventure and find work here. And I met him back then. He didn't, he wasn't here for a very long time. He went back to England, and he's practiced in England for most of his life. But he recently, he recently retired after um, having a number of veterinary practices. And he's a very passionate veterinary surgeon, regardless of being uh, retired. And he's a member of the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons. So he was a very useful friend I and Irish. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I would, um, you know, I would create these scenes where um, Aileen would be working with, with the animals and what have you. And then I'd uh, 
plot them out and uh, and write them and then I would um, uh, consult with him and he was fabulously helpful I mean for every every scene whether I was um, whether Aileen had her arm in a cow or, or whether she was uh, or every jerk of the animal he'd be able yeah. to corroborate yeah exactly exactly and he would he would send me um uh pages and pages of 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 information so i had to i had to make it right you know i had to be correct mm-hmm. i had to make sure that um you know she was holding on the right part of the calf and that if you if you tied a rope here this would happen and mm-hmm. if you supported it this way it was i found it really fascinating but he he really helped me and um i mean obviously what was interesting was that at the time that Aileen was uh, undertaking all these procedures, there certainly weren't, the, there wasn't the equipment and um, the knowledge and uh, the the drugs, the medicine and what have you that uh, that there is today. So we also had to do a lot of historical um, research into finding out well, what would she have used, you know, what would have been available, and it helped. It helped a great deal that Richard, my friend, um, had access to resources um uh, professional resources so he could he could help me there we could find out you know that she they would have been using this oil or that paraffin or whatever mm. yes so, yes super yeah. interesting for me watch your website of her bag from time to time <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah. and there's one instance where there's a stillborn you know calf that mm. the the farmer in the in the scenario didn't know of and she's got a kind of find a way somehow she and this farmer and she's stubborn and persistent in her endeavor she refuses to call on the the more senior vet at the time and she she births this calf i'm 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 right i'm not muddling stories storylines so so you would have had to have gone okay Mm. in this instance were a calf in utero been in this position would this be appropriate so yes and it, it yeah. you can see that it is accurately portrayed you're not making up some fluff so I do appreciate that as the the reader <laughs> I've had um I've had a few vets that have read it and so far none of them have um have found any uh, anything <laughs> that, going, ah, that wouldn't happen I mean obviously there's always room for people doing things differently mm. but um in fact um, a, a vet who has retired uh, to here in the Overberg uh, phoned me and said to me, "No, oh, you should have been a vet." I did say to him, "Well, you know, I once dreamt of it, mm. but um, I have to concede I had I had expert help here as well." But yeah. So Penny, yeah. as well, I want to tap in a little bit to to Dorothy. She's a lovely character. Mm. I really enjoy her as um, Aileen's best friend. Um, her love for nature. And her very unique marriage. Do you, not on the marriage front, let's not go there, but in terms of her love for nature, do you relate to that? Absolutely, yeah. She was an interesting person. I mean, in fact, my editor said when we were, when we were working through it, we were talking about how she might have been on the spectrum. Had she lived today, she would have been um, uh, diagnosed as being, being on the spectrum uh, because of her aversion to touch and what have you. But she, she was... She was a very interesting woman, and um, there is quite there's quite a lot written about her and um, Sir Edward Grey's marriage. Um, that 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 was that was all fact about their, their marriage. Which, so how was yeah. it in a in a biography that you read? You know, I'm, I'm wondering how would that have become public knowledge? 
Yeah, um, you know, I think he was a he was a fascinating man. Um, there have been a number of biographies written about him, but how that came to light, I'm not a hundred percent certain. You know, she that the term that she she said she was a good country wife because she didn't she didn't like the um, uh, the, the busyness of London. So when he was uh, when he was working in London, she stayed um, in their in their little country um, cottage. Um, and um, I guess that it was kind of common knowledge that they lived platonic lives. That's that is what they what they lived. It's um, really fascinating <clears throat> too. It's fascinating, fascinating that yeah. there also wasn't any pressure from anybody to, for them to have children. Considering that, the the context, exactly, exactly. I think that that, and you know, maybe there was, but certainly there, that it, it was not. I mean, the fact that he he was the heir to Felden uh, to the Felden Hall and what have you would would have expected that, but um, no. And um, I mean, if you if you if you do more research into him, he actually never had children. Um, he did because uh, he had he had other relationships after after Aileen died, but there, with there women, is, Penny. Yes, because I think with that's women. an obvious question. If you have a platonic <laughs> marriage, yeah, are one of the yeah. the partners in the marriage gay? You yeah. Know, so that no, I think he, that's the conclusion I jump to. Yeah. No, he did have relationships with other women, and I recently read um, an article. It's in a European publication about um, a, um, a, a a woman. She's no longer young, but a woman who claimed to be his illegitimate uh, daughter from a from a different marriage from a different relationship. Um, so, but but um, yeah, he, he they they were an interesting couple. Fascinating, really fascinating, yeah. yeah. That's, and that's a, sort of an offset, really kind of subplot of of the main thrust of the story, which yeah. towards the end, I really, I was like, okay, this is picking up, like, pace here. There, again, no, no spoiler, no obvious spoilers, but there is some sauciness for people to look forward to, uh, you know, I, I would say in the the latter third of the, the novel, might I might I put in a special request for more, more, more Willie Byrne. <laughs> that man. You know that- I was like, okay, I enjoyed spending a weekend with with Mister Byrne. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> you know that's so that's so interesting because. Um, I think we can say that Willie Byrne was was the romantic interest, and they were they were poles apart. You know, he was he was Irish, he was Catholic, she was Protestant, that she was curl, English. Curl though, Penny. Did you make up that curl, or did he have a did he have a head of curly hair? I might have seen a picture of um, Henry Cavill. Ah, that's you see <laughs> much along those lines. Yes, <laughs> you know, I I thought well maybe. Maybe if I put this in, then one day um, Henry Cavill will play the part of uh, Willie Byrne in the movie. I can <laughs> see it. I can see it. 100%. <laughs> but but Sa- Sam, it's interesting that you talk about the steaminess. I found that quite difficult to write. I guess, um, I guess you know, being relatively new to fiction, uh, you know, I was a journalist, a business writer primarily. So this, this is all stuff that I'm learning. But... Um, but we joke because my husband said to me, "Oh, you could have made it so much steamier, you know." <laughs> and um, and and I thought, no, this this you know this is um, this is this is about as steamy as I'm I'm willing to go. 
But what, what happened with the book, it's, so it's published by Sourcebooks, who are a, um, a publisher who based in Chicago in the U.S., and it was picked up by the Junior Library Guild, which is a, which is a fantastic a boost for the book because it means that it gets packaged for, um, for school libraries and community libraries, um, obviously for, for, um, for the later, later grades, the older grades. Mm. But um, had it been steamier, it would never have been picked up. So, you know. <laughs> every, yeah. every pot has its lid, shall we say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, and I mean, there, there could be, there is room uh, for sequels. I know that, <laughs> that Miss Cust's journey comes to an end, but the Cust's siblings are also interesting. Ursula, for yeah. one. I mean, um, so I, I'm not telling you what to do with your writing career, and I'm going to ask you what's next, next after this, but I did want to say, imagine taking on a Julia Quinn-type scenario where you take on each of the Cust siblings, um, oh, each of the surviving Cust siblings, and kind of expand yeah. on their stories. How interesting. You know, why why did Charles behave the way that he did? How, you know, why, mm. why was Ursula such a mommy's girl, you know, that you just yeah. kind of want to shake? Um, I I enjoyed that that aspect of it, the family dynamics and the the sauciness. I'm I'm all for the sauciness, Penny. Okay. I think I'm with your husband <laughs> on that. <laughs> but you are you are working. So we did we did gloss over, and you did mention that you're a journalist. So um, you know you're a business writer. Business day, we can find your writing in Sunday Times, Financial Mail, Sunday Independent, The Weekender, but you have had some other works of fiction out. So let's discuss that before we discuss what you're moving on to next and okay. this year. Well, well, actually, I'm no longer I'm no longer working as a journalist. I am working full time now as a, as an author. Amazing, so, nice. Um, yeah, so so I've um, moved on to to other things. A and dream I'm come true, I'm sure. I mean, not that you know, a journalist being a journalist isn't a dream, and, no. but it's 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 fabulous. I think you know, and, and in fact, someone asked me the other day, "Do you wish that you'd gone into fiction earlier?" And I don't think so. You know, I, I had such a wonderful life as a journalist, and I think um, the you know working working as a journalist prepared me for this. And and I don't think I was you know I don't think I was ready to to go into fiction, but yeah, I am. Um, I started working in fiction while I was still working full time as a as a as a business journalist, and I um, I'd always imagined writing fiction at some point, and I guess I said it often because eventually, my son and husband said, "Just do it already," you know, <laughs> tired of hearing me talk about it, and um, I I realized that was pretty terrifying, you know, when you when you know how to do something, you kind of, you know, the unknown is, is quite scary. And I think you also, um, for me, fiction exposes you in some ways. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, journalism, you're always hiding behind someone else's story, I guess. I have so to I, say, Penny, I, to, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, no. in writing in writing fiction and delving into creative writing, that's exactly, I can relate so much because mm. I've had, so I'm, um, studying creative writing and I've had lecturers okay. say to me but where is Sam in all of this and I'm as a journalist I'm sure you know like I know Sam is not here anywhere <laughs> to do with that story because I'm a journalist the facts are the facts and the journalist is a total third party why are you yeah. asking me where I am <laughs> in this so I can 100% relate 
to that fear of taking the leap. And y- yes, you're not writing about yourself. You're writing about, um, you know, Aileen Cust, who was a, a very real character. But there is so much of Penny that yeah. goes into this. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's and it's it's scary. I mean, it's um but I can encourage you because once you get over that, oh man, it is so much fun. It really is. You know? But but yeah, it's um it 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 it, it reveals something in you which um which is easy to avoid when you, you know, when you're writing other stuff. So the way I did it, Sam, was mm-hmm. that I um decided that I would write a children's book first and I wrote in um, my children's book is based on a true story as well about um, about a vervet monkey and my grandmother. Um, and it was a story that I had grown up with. Uh, my, my grandmother was a great animal lover as well. In fact, I, I learned a lot about what I know about animals from her. And um, and and she told me this extraordinary story about her 17 years with a vervet monkey who essentially adopted her and her other animals as as his troop. And so I decided that I would write a children's book, you know, for kind of nine to 12 year olds about this monkey. And that's what I did. So that was my gateway into, into fiction, if you will. And I had such fun doing it. I had such fun that I felt guilty doing it. I'd only do it after hours I love because that. I, felt, <laughs> <laughs> I, felt, I felt like I shouldn't should be, be having so <laughs> Yeah. I should be punishing and, myself with more business stories. <laughs> stories that you, that you have an invoice attached to them. You yeah. Know? <laughs> relate. Hard relate on that, Penny. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so that was um, w- w- once I did that, and I realized, wow, this is such fun. And it was for me, as I say, I get, I, you, you rediscover the playfulness of writing. Mm-hmm. And if you were anything like me, I mean, as a child, I made up all these stories in my head. I had this little radio play going on all the time, whether I was Penny the vet or Susan the lawyer, or whoever I was. There was a whole fantasy world there, and um, I, I feel like I've I've recovered that with with the fiction. So um, it's it really is great fun, but it does it does take some letting go, and mm. uh, you have to give yourself time. Mm. But uh, I, but I I strongly encourage it because man, it really is fun. Well, it sounds <laughs> it, and you're onto a, you're onto another project. So tell us what's next for Penny Hall. So, yeah, so um, the Invincible Miss Cust was part of a two book deal with with Source Books, and honestly, I've been so lucky. They're just they're a um, a woman owned company. the The company was established thirty years ago by um, a real publishing visionary, um, Dominique Racker, and she's built this 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 very big company. It's one of the biggest independent publishers um, in in the US now, and it's it's, it's now. Um, partially owned by Penguin Random House, but still um, majority owned by, by, by this woman. But so a very, um, um, very much a, a women's company. And they, when they bought the manuscript of the Invincible Miscast, um, they made it part of it when I have an agent in the, in the, in the US and she helped me um, sell them a two book deal. So the, and um, so the, the second book is coming out in October and um it is also about an extraordinary woman whose story has gone somewhat under the radar. Her name is Bertha Benz, and she was the wife of Carl Benz, who is known mm. as the father of the automobile. And Bertha Benz um, 
was essentially Carl's business partner throughout, and she's only only recently have have, have um, has been recognised what a what a huge role she played in innovating um, with 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 both the machine, but also as a businesswoman, as a as an entrepreneur who took risks and who, um, in many ways. Um, uh, pointed her husband in the right direction in, 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 many, in many circumstances. So that book is called The Woman at the Wheel, and it's coming out um, at the beginning of October. Wow, congratulations. And Thank you. As, reader, as a reader, I look forward to, to reading it. And so readers, listeners, get on top of The Invincible Miss Cust, and I will put listeners in touch uh, uh, with you, Penny, and your... Um, social media platforms and your website so everybody knows where to find you and where to find your book and I look forward to The Woman, The Woman at the Wheel The, the Woman at the Wheel The yeah. Woman at the Wheel yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on TGE's Current Read Thank you so much Sam, it's been wonderful Thank you, bye bye <laughs>